Using our multi-phasic shielding to stealthily review all of the Voyager episodes without anyone on the internet noticing, it's V'ger, please, a hateful voyage through the Delta Quadrant. My name is Joseph. And I'm your tertiary adjunct, Peter. I promised you a divisive episode in the Voyager canon this week, Peter. And please tell us, what did we watch? Season 5, episode 15, Dark Frontier. Uh, importantly, episode 15 slash 16. It does count as two. Does it? In the, in the production uh, calendar. So... Uh, because it's important because obviously episode the seasons are supposed to be 26 episodes. So technically Voyager was 25 in season five since it's counted as two. Uh, it is, I think, unique as a expressively feature length episode that was aired as a single shot when it was originally shown. I don't think any uh, episode of Berman Era Trek did that aside from this. There's been two parters, but sure. that this was this was shown as a feature length uh, episode all at the same time. And I said it was divisive. And I would like to do, discuss that divisiveness up front because I think that will frame our discussion of the episode. Are you are you are you here with me? Are you ready for this? <sighs> yeah, I'm ready, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> I can sense it. I can I'm not looking at you right now. Sometimes we do video podcasting till kind of buttress our discussion sometimes we don't right now we're not but i i've done this with you enough that i can feel the energy do you think they were like they felt they somehow missed the boat on year of hell and they said all right we need to we need to do this as a movie uh not a two like i i don't know what they were going for on this uh i know they were very proud of it I tried to read the memory alpha and it was like a football length long. So I quit because <laughs> uh, it looked like this was the product of sweeps and a frantic play by the writer's room to try and win some people over. So they broke the glass and grabbed their emergency vanity character seven of nine in a big, vanity piece uh i i can it's hard (laughs) i can i can feel you're just like what the fuck was this and so this episode is beloved by many because of its focus on seven of nine and we were talking about this about you know when we were warming up before we did the show about Seven of Nine and how she is so incredibly beloved as a character and that Voyager fans tend to be strong Seven of Nine fans. And you've started to see that and experience that, not just as we've reviewed Voyager, but as as we witness what happened with Picard and the inclusion of Seven of Nine in that. And doubtless, this is a huge Seven of Nine episode. It is almost solely centered around her and it's an hour and a half long. So if you really love Seven of Nine, you really love this episode. But as a Star Trek episode, it is bafflingly stupid. I mean, some of the things that are in this, you just are like, what the fuck? What are you doing to your own canon? What are you doing to the Borg, to common sense, to the idea of responsible parenting? (laughs) So many things torched before our very eyes. (laughs) I think the best way to really 
present my feelings on this as a made-for-TV movie uh, and also as a entry into a beloved science fiction franchise is to kind of compare it to Serenity. Okay. So, you know, you watched, uh, uh, you know, the, the TV show, right? Oh, it's, uh, Firefly is one of my favorite television shows ever. And they decided, all right, well, we can't do more of this, but we're going to get a chance at a movie through the sheer will of the fan base to, to make this thing happen. And they decide they're going to re-release the entire story as like a package deal, right? Like you could have watched all of Firefly and gone in and saw the movie, or you could have just picked that movie up as a standalone object uh, as someone who had never seen it and, and picked things up, right? Yeah, they constructed the movie so that you didn't have to have watched the show. And as a result, like some things did not overlap. Like if you played the movie on a screen and then the TV show on the screen, like characters, actions, character behavior, a lot of stuff just didn't overlap. And you had this disconnect where it almost felt like a different product, different people trying to go for that spiritual successor. Does that make sense? Yeah. I mean, I, I quibble a little bit. I think that the characters were very similar. It's just that, uh, their exact development as it went on in the show couldn't be completely converted over because it would have been too impenetrable. So everyone was in like a different kind of place than they were in the show. But the characters were the same. Like Mal was Mal, you know, like it, Wash was Wash. Like their characters were very similar to what they were on the show, just where they were in their development stage had shifted so that it was easier to get into. I feel like Dark Frontier does that to Voyager and you know certain characters like Janeway are like multiple personality disorder where every time almost every time we watch it it's it's a different portrayal of Janeway based on however bad the writing is going to be it's dark frontier I feel like it was Voyager but it's not real Voyager It, it felt like a special event in a timeline outside of the normal realm of Voyager I guess uh, if you consider the idea that this was created as a sweeps stunt uh, to to lure in viewers, your comparison makes more sense because Janeway is Janeway-esque. You know, a lot of the characters are similar to what we've seen, but we're we're not too concerned with where they were in their development exactly because we want this to be as approachable as possible. Yes. It also harkens back. It harkens back to something I warned you about literally two and a half years ago when we started this damn show, which is Catherine Janeway is the greatest victim is the people who write for her. And we've seen this time and time and time again. Absolutely. That that her, her character is awesome when she's written well and terrible when she's written poorly. And unfortunately, both of those things happen. And yeah, this is another perfect example of that. But I get what you're saying to, to roll back to your example. So I, I, feel I agree. Like I agree. A lot of the characters are out of focus for their normal presentations. And I think the other one of the other big things that holds this uh, these two episodes back, aside from a bonkers script, is. I don't know if you want to say it's a special effects budget or the studio, but 
there is some really bad CGI that's holding this thing back on many levels and just other stuff that should have been grandiose by the script's description. And instead you get like this budget ass late night TBS (laughs) Saturday morning cartoony ass CG particularly yeah the the, Borg Queens entry right like that was the biggest most obvious example yeah right I mean it's just it because they tried to recreate the same entrance that she had in the movie right and you know with her torso getting fitted into her uh um her like body and that sort of thing with the the metal spine etc etc and uh it's just it's like the public access version of that effect it's so much worse and of course it's worse right because that movie was on a movie budget and it was you know it's an hour and a half long and they've got 40 50 million dollars to to make the damn thing and so they get to make it look like it cost 40 to 50 million dollars where this is two episodes of a 26 episode television show that probably has that you know that budget in half to do the whole thing you know so of course it's not going to be good enough but when you're trying to recreate the same fucking shot and you can't do it even half as well why are you doing it absolutely and that's what a lot of this is going to circle back around to like first contact was fucking amazing yeah it was a great story it was great action it was great like trek politics it was great emotion and then you knock it out of the park right and everybody knows they knocked out of the park why try to beat that when you can't beat it's like you've already walked out in front of your your girlfriend right or or whatever you've you've walked out into public with your pants off and you just have the biggest schlong ever man it looks like a baby leg <laughs> swinging around in there and then like your little brother's like wow man that got a really good response and then your little brother goes out there with like a little thimble for a penis like hey guys look you you love seeing dick right look at me look at this look at look at all two inches of this and it's it just comes off as so fucking terrible like they've already tried to self-cannibalize their own work with the previous borg entries and i have to think it's just this that sycophant nature in in network TV where people are afraid to say like, yeah, that wasn't the best. And you see that very clearly reflected in memory alpha. It's like, oh, this was so great. I was so pleased with my kid. Like no one's like, look, this fucking sucked. And nobody had the balls to tell Bran the last time he dragged the Borg out. Like, dude, just let this fucking shit chill. Uh, I get that you have made a character that is intrinsically tied to the Borg. and And as a result, her backstory is always going to have to heavily feature the Borg. And I think there could have been a right way to tell that story that heavily featured her uh, parents. Um, But it would not have had to, uh, to, to retread and dig up the Borg queen and all these other concepts that had been successfully laid to rest. Um, Nothing with the Borg queen in this episode makes any God damn sense. 
And this is the dividing line of the people who fucking love this episode versus the people who fucking eat this episode have come down on for the last, what, 20 fucking years? Nothing about the Borg Queen and what the Borg do through the Queen makes any fucking sense whatsoever. This whole episode's uh hinges on the idea that the Borg Queen has a personal interest in Seven of Nine because for some reason uh she thinks that oh having this uh Borg drone that was converted back into being human is gonna be this key uh you know individualistic insight that she'll be able to reintegrate into accepting her Borg nature and therefore make uh assimilating human humanity that much easier, right? Like that's what they try to set up with this. And I guess what you're supposed to assume is because obviously this happens well after first contact is that, Oh, shit didn't go real well with uh, Picard and data. So this is like option C, right? Like eh, I couldn't get it done with those jabronis. I'm going to go ahead and, uh, you know, go look up uh, seven of nine. The drone I left on that fucking ship is in the Delta quadrant. Maybe I can get her to like help me out with this, except they don't develop that idea or or bring that idea forward in a way that makes any fucking sense. Like, it yeah. isn't until literally the fucking end of the episode where she's like, hey, I totally want to, like, go back to Earth and get those uh, those silly humans. You want to help me out? Uh? When, like, Seven of Nine has done nothing the entire episode except basically reject her and say, no, I'm not going to fucking help you. Are you crazy? Like, there... It, in in first contact when they did this plot the idea is that you thought data was kind of buying into it right the data was being tempted slowly by the idea that he could be the you know see get this a fulfillment out of being the the queen's consort you know and helping her uh, assimilate the galaxy and then they don't they don't do that here so what the fuck <laughs> this entire episode as a result comes off feeling to me personally like fan fiction that somehow got endorsed and turned into a, a larger budget production um it's it's a preposterous it seems like a shallow story it seems like a silly story and we're jumping ahead in the plot but i don't i don't think this one because it's an hour and a half of plot and it would be just a lot of plotting through shit that doesn't matter that the point by point discussion well, isn't the, the most important. I mean, we will kind of go through the different sure. story beats, but I don't mind us kind of skipping around a little bit talking about the concept that the, the concept of the episode, because I think queen, that's more interesting. The The idea that the queen, this queen, because this isn't the same queen from first contact, right? These are well, two. I, I think the the Borg queen is supposed to be the gestalt into uh, consciousness. So it is this. It's the Borg queen whenever you see the Borg queen, like it's Remember physical... Alpha says that this is a separate queen with a different attitude and a different agenda. No shit. Really? So this I... is a separate queen, man. They really should have fucking told us that. <laughs> it seems yes. like vital information. They, and realistically, yes, they should have. They should have said there should have been some mention that the Federation had dealt a terrible blow to the Borg and their transgression is unforgivable. And she is a new queen. And this is why she's still obsessed over one stupid fucking species in the entire galaxy 
and multi-universe because you know they're fucking around in fluidic space which is another thing i want to get into but um the idea that this queen intentionally put seven of nine on voyager to infiltrate not infiltrate but to gain this perspective right because that's what makes she is unique she has human perspective and she will be the key to destroying humanity through her understanding of humanity uh and they did that the right way because it's a preposterous statement and they never bother to prove it or disprove it. You know, what are the odds that when Chakotay violated Catherine Janeway's uh, agreement with the Borg and jettisons all of the Borg out of the ship that it would have been seven of nine alone who was able to hold on to the bulkhead when all of the other drones got blown out of there? Maybe it could be some big, huge Machiavellian Rube Goldberg plan. Maybe they had advanced data on how how Chakotay would react, and maybe she goaded it into him. Or maybe she's just a fucking liar, and she's toying with Seven's emotions, and that's a good way to disrupt her. So I like that they don't really fully flesh out the, the plant angle. I prefer still to consider the idea of the queen being like a singular gestalt conscious it doesn't doesn't make any fucking sense the like to forward the idea that like they're not all you know they're 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 multiple queens but they have it all should be identical like that's the whole point of a of a you know a a shared consciousness right like this manifestation of that consciousness that can 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 communicate with you has to be the same no matter where you're encountering it right like I'm still trying to wrap my mind around mind around the idea that this is supposed to be like a separate queen with a separate like identity. And... It's ridiculous, and, yeah, it's and ridiculous. it just That's... runs a terrific bad guy into the ground. And and I see now, you know, the real damage that something like this does. And you know, it's not like Voyagers had the best intentions for the Borg in its heart the entire time. Yeah. Like we've already suffered through them getting, you know, blown to shit by the Care Bear stare and kind of getting, getting turned into B tier villains almost, uh, almost which C-tier. is tier. I mean, this, this really starts to cement it. And starting with the beginning of this episode, our cold open is a camera flying around a Borg set piece. Now, the last time we really saw the Borg, uh, which was some species eight four seven two stuff. I remember the the production notes that it was a very small corner on the production stage. They had a very limited amount of hallway. There was a lot of twists and turns and fancy camera tricks to try and sell this board cube. This time, they got a pretty good chunk of space to build this cube out in, and it just looks like fucking shit. It's it's green walls and corrugated flooring and strobe lights and funny fisheye lenses. It's big, but it looks like a spirit Halloween. Yeah, yeah. Take a look at the TNG uh, Borg episodes sometimes. Like even like the real early one when the like Q like wishes them into, you know, the the unknown regions and they encounter them like it looks better then. You know, first contact is obviously the best portrayal of the board because the budget was there and the vision was there. I think it, after that, though, like the first episode of the Borg, what was it? Q who I think is the best because it's it's alien and it's scary and it's crude. 
And I don't know what they are, if this warmer look that we get here, but it just makes it look like a shitty fun house. And I, it's distracting the entire time through. You said something that I, I don't want to move away from because I think it provides some interesting context for the episode. You mentioned Q who is the episode where the Borg originally uh, were introduced, right? And the premise of that episode was that Q and Picard get into a argument with each other in 10 forward where Picard is a little haughty and a little arrogant about the Federation's capacity to deal with whatever's out there. And Q's like, oh, you think you're ready for everything that's out there? Well, let me introduce you to some shit that maybe beyond your capacity to deal with and they get you know whisked away to some spot in the galaxy where the borg are nearby they encounter the borg and they get scared shitless by this concept of this unfeeling you know terminator like space cyborgs that want to do nothing but turn them into space cyborgs and strip away all their individuality right mm-hmm. and to the point where picard has to turn to q and say Please, God, help. But you were right. I was wrong. Please bail us out. I've already gotten people killed. Point Your, your point is has been received. Please take us home. Right? Mm-hmm. And like future episodes, like the, the next time they run into the Borg, there's even that, that heartfelt discussion that Picard has with Guinan in 10 Forward where he's like, I think we might all just get fucking killed, right? Like this might be the end of humanity. He's like, oh, don't worry. I mean, you, you might lose Earth, but humanity will survive. Like, you're, you know, over a long enough time scale, we'll probably make it, you know, <laughs> not, the, not the most like hopeful thing. But like, this is serious. These things are 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 galaxy ending threat level things. And the use of them in first contact kind of rode that line between making them less scary by telling you too much, but didn't go over the line. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay. The the cube shows up, the cube gets blown up. Like Federation can fight the cube now. Maybe they're not as scary. Oh, what's going on? What is this sphere? It's go back. It's going back in time. They have a queen like, Oh, uh Oh, like this is kind of, this is scary, right? Like now, now the, Borg are, are like getting to date his head and like convincing him like we are we've got the right idea and all this other stuff. So that was the right way to expand on the canon a little bit of the Borg while keeping them really scary. And everything Voyager has done and this episode more than any other. And there's been some bad Borg episodes. Just doesn't completely wrong. You know, that instead of making the Borg scarier, it makes them explains too much. Yeah, explains too much and makes them without adding anything to it, which makes them less scary and more a problem that can be solved. And ultimately, that's the ending of this episode is literally the Federation doing the thing the Federation always does to save the day and beating the Borg back like they would beat anything. This is an episode about quantity over quality, and that has been the Borg MO the entire run of Voyager so far. Instead of it being one big scary Borg cube that brings everything to its knees, it's 15 or 30 Borg cubes. Just more, more, more. 
without having the quality to scale. And, you know, one of my big takeaways in this is this uh, Borg queen, she's still obsessed with taking Earth. And in the end, we'll find out that there's a plan to create a bioweapon that's going to rain down on Earth and slowly assimilate people. This nefarious uh, plague plot, basically. They're, they're going to introduce COVID-2335. <laughs> COVID-2365. Um, the... You know, we go back to the Species 8472 bullshit where we did see 30 Borg cubes whizzing around the screen. We see, you know, Borg space city, space town, you know, Borg cubes everywhere, Borg space stations everywhere. Like, it makes first contact look stupid that they sent one cube in. It got wrecked. Yeah, there was a time travel plot. You're making the Borg scary, but you're putting a face on it, right? And we talked about this before. By making a Borg queen, you've now put a neck on Cerberus, right? And you can cut the head off, and you can keep cutting the head off. There's, It's no longer a construct you're fighting. There is a bad guy. There's a big bad. You can kill it, and you can destroy the Borg, and you can achieve a victory condition. And they did it. Now we see all this other crazy stuff. This new queen, she's obsessed with taking Earth. She's got this cockamamie idea about infiltrating. She needs seven to nine to like remap the human genome, whatever. In reality, we know, okay, well, how about you send 15 or 30 Borg cubes to Earth? Like you, you've now said there's enough toys on the table that you can just overwhelm Earth. And as they take over whatever the fucking species that they go after when she's like, trying to scare seven and nine and this thing like they've got cubes all over the place it's like it's like a protoss carrier rush taking this place <laughs> so clearly the borg's not above sending 220 or 200 cubes to pacify something so again the whole premise here is fucking stupid and yeah, if you care this much about fucking taking earth you clearly have the manpower you just have to use it mm-hmm Federation can't stop 20 cubes. They get fucking steamrolled <laughs> like end of song, right? Like they barely yeah. can stop one. I, the whole alpha quadrant couldn't stop 20 cubes. And you know, this shit, we, we've beaten this horse heavily, whatever. So it's the centro scene. You've got what we'll find out is a little Borg scout ship. You get this terrible narration. It's stupid that the Borg would be talking on some intercom or whatever as they try to like narrate this, which already makes the cheap set feel even cheaper with this hokey narration. You've got your Voyager era hokey budget drones, which are guys in rubber suits with low prosthetics. Um, Post first contact, you know, TNG Borgs were guys in white cake makeup with tubes coming out of their face. It was scary. It was cool. Could you do better? Yes, and they did better in first contact with what looked like mutilated corpses uh, hybridized with, like, diesel engines. Cool, scary, raggedy pieces of skin. Gross, good. And then at some point, they just like, this is too much makeup, this sucks. Put these guys in black pajamas with, like, print on it like the the star wars costume in a bag darth vader right and it's that loose fitting nylon fucking flowy shirt (laughs) and it's got his uh 
respirator control panel like silk screened on the front of it. That's basically what these Borgs look like. And they're talking shit on the ship and, you know, we're going to jump you, Voyager. And, you know, they got her up on the view screen and there's Janeway saying, I'm not afraid of you, which is already fucking ridiculous. Like any Borg ship should kill any Federation ship. Granted, they got seven and nine, so maybe she's got some confidence there. But they they let the Borg ship fly right up on them, get like six or seven shots off before Voyager starts returning fire. Uh, I don't know if they knock their shields out or if seven and nine pulls some little trick to get the board shields down, but then they do one of the coolest things that I've seen in a long time. And that's transport a fucking photon torpedo onto an enemy vessel. Yes. Might be the coolest thing that happens in the whole damn episode. <laughs> like at last we see a tactic that every neck beard nerd who has ever watched this episode of star Trek thought of, which is, well, why don't you just beam a torpedo into the ship and then detonate it like a bomb? You know what? That's, it works great. Works good. Works fantastic. Blows the whole thing up. Like 10 out of 10. Wouldn't do this to, to Romulans in the future. Like this is this is extremely effective. It blows the whole ship apart, uh, much to Janeway's disappointment. Uh, she uh, was hoping that it would just be disabled uh, because she wanted to loot the thing. And apparently there's still some loot to be had, you know, it's, some of the gold has been melted, but some of it remains. Some of the dollar bills have blood and, and burn marks. I was more surprised by Chakotay. Chakotay is has been super anti-Borg everything. And for him to be like, what do you mean? No survivors. I thought we were just trying to disable it. Like real out of character plays by Chakotay to show all this compassion. Uh, but if this was some sort of a planned encounter, which, as the rest of the episode goes along, I don't think is outside the realm of possibility. Um, it, it would make sense then for Chakotay and some of the other crew members to be as concerned as they were that their plan of putting a nuke inside of a little pop can ship and, and blowing everything the, the fuck up was not well received. Um, there's a little throwaway line in there. So they go through like the debris field and they beam a bunch of the wreckage in there so they can start looting the, uh, the mob they just rolled. And we find out they're looking for trans warp coils and other technology to start evening the fight. And this is where we start getting like kooky Janeway, right? <laughs> she this starts. Is, this is, this is space pirate Janeway. <laughs> this is, this Janeway is hungry for Delta quadrant booty. She wants to find the hidden treasure chests and pick those locks. She says, I'm tired of turning tail at every cube. She says, by my calculations, by the course adjustments we've made so far, we've added a whole two years to our travel, which is fucking nothing, right? Right. Like that That would be over the course of... You know, if they actually had to do the whole 70 year bid, mm -hmm. you know, it would be like three ish percent. Right. You've <laughs> done extra. worse things over less amounts of time. Right. So who gives a shit really about two years when you're talking about dodging the Federation's worst foe and uh, failure to evade the Borg results in a fate worse than death where you become a space zombie. So, you know, may maybe this is a reasonable thing, but she's like, I'm tired of turning tail at every cube. Again, I, I get Voyager 
has has polluted the scale of what a cube is. But cube one cube destroyed all of the Federation at Wolf three five nine. One cube almost brought Earth to its knees. Like these are reasonable things. So I think there was a plot line here. I was expecting to see develop because we'll get pulled into a staff briefing later on where Janeway hatches this plan. Uh, they pull some um, data cubes out and uh, seven of nines able to give them advanced telemetry on the entire sector and board movement and status. And they're like, Oh, Hey, here's a sphere. That's all fucked up. And Janeway's like, I want to go in there and I want to mug them. <laughs> I don't think you understand. My plan is to go in and to beat them upside the head and take their wallets. We're gonna run up I am with space our pirate chainway. We're gonna run up with our flintlock pistols like it's a bunch of Q in the Civil War, and we're gonna hold them at gunpoint while we shake them down for them ducats. Um, <laughs> it's, it's it's delightful. Let's not even act like it's anything else. So she puts this plan out. Now, again, I've seen the capsule on Netflix. I know that seven of nine is going to rejoin the collective. I don't know what the auspice is going to fall under. But when she's sitting there, seven of nines at the briefing table and everybody's just ping ponging back and forth about how to go attack this sphere. And they need to have an airtight plan and run battle drills uh, as they raid these guys. There's some real strong language in there, and there's this kind of a, a concerned look on Seven of Nine's face. Now, we'll later find out it's fear, but at that moment, it seemed to me, based on Janeway's, you know, point blank greed and aggression, and everybody else playing along with it, you know, Blana, like, oh, I've got some dirty terrorist Maquis tricks we're going to pull on these fools. And, and her looking back, like, I thought she was going to be like, this isn't who you guys say you are. You're not, you're not pirates. You're space explorers. You're scientists. You come in peace. And for you to be sitting here and planning a, uh, an aggravated robbery, like this oh, is weird boring. guys. This is boring. <laughs> like, you guys are acting evil right now. You're going to fly the ship into a super dangerous situation with like the big techno baddies, potentially getting us all assimilated. So you can fucking rob these guys because now Janeway, all of a sudden you really care about getting people home. Like back on the Ocampan uh, relay station, you didn't care. You just blew up all that technology. And every chance we've had to like steal technology from other people like the Skeevians, you've been real high and mighty. But now you're, you're talking about, you know, holding these guys up at knife point and robbing them. Like I didn't sign up for this. This isn't who you said, but none of that really gets pursued, which I think is a shame because again, the, 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 like things don't overlap correctly. Like values are just a little three points to the left, three points to the right. Like, did, did you get that impression? I also agree that there was, seems to be something missing in that everyone seems to be down for this idea. Aside from the goofy ass Chakotay, like, Oh, you fiddle with your cob badge shit that he does with Janeway a little bit. When you got, when you're kooky plans, cause you're the kooky captain who's trying to get us home. It's that that's the, another great point the, too. It's like the, the more, the more I think of stuff like that and the way that these are characters that resemble ca the characters we know, 
and not are the characters we know your whole thing about the serenity movie is making more and more sense like that it it seems like this would be something where it would actually create plot in the episode where all of the characters are like why the fuck is the captain a space pirate now what is wrong with her where instead there's none of that (laughs) they're talking i mean again this is marauding right like and let's let's take the fact that you're talking about attacking another vessel and and ransacking and pillaging it right move that to the side let's go back to the fact this is a fucking board everybody's supposed to be scared shitless of these guys you're perfectly fine you're perfectly safe everybody knows it's going to take a long time to get home needlessly going and starting shit with the board collective again seems like a really fucking terrible idea and it also seems like exactly the thing that Janeway would never want to do, considering this is the same character who has been confronted directly by Arturis about how her actions, interactions with the Borg ended up, you know, uh, costing billions of lives and irrevocably changing the uh, fate of the Delta Quadrant, if not the galaxy. Like, if anyone needs to not be reminded of the consequences of interaction with the Borg, should be Catherine Janeway at this point. And here we are, as we've got this swaggering fucking highwayman who wants to go and ambush, uh, you know, the Borg train and steal the payroll off of it. And God, the thing you just said about the whole, oh, I got a Maquis trick thing. That is exactly the thing you would have to say in an episode of season five of the show if you're expecting people who haven't fucking watched the rest of it to start tuning in. Like, what? Where is this? That seems like some fucking season one, maybe season two, Bolana shit. When's the last? Like, I feel like recently there was an example of Janeway and company like, oh, um, uh, God, what was the one where they install the trans warp thing and then Harry and uh, and Chakotay have to fucking break all the rules to timeless, timeless, like Janeway was just exposed to happen. Like, what happens when you get too fucking greedy for foreign technology and jam it in your ship? Like, she knows. Again, that wasn't a bottle episode. Harry Kim said, hey, we fucked this up. Everybody on the ship died. She knows that. She saw the message. She gave it to Harry. Harry knows. Like, there's no... These people are psychopaths. They don't learn from their past mistakes. And there she is again, like, let's needlessly roll the fucking dice fly back and he's Borg. Did we ever um, resolve if the Borg had the nano technology weapons from the confrontation eight four seven two? They didn't, they didn't talk about it this episode. They mentioned them when they ran into species eight, four, seven, two the second time, didn't they? Cause that was part of how they, that's how they bargained with Boothby or the fake Boothby in that episode. Well, the Borg don't know about that. If, if my timeline is correct here, Voyager developed the super weapon, the nano weapon in house with the board's help. The cube was destroyed. Seven of nine got severed from the collective. They went into fluidic space. They played the trump card. They deployed the weapon. It scared the fuck out of 8472. 8472 retreated in mass. The Borg double cross the Federation, say, fuck you. We're going to assimilate you after all. Janeway flies away, and I forget how they escaped the Borg in the process. But to my knowledge, Voyager still has technology that the Borg Collective wants so they can go conquer Species 8472. Like, yet another reason that they should be nowhere near the Borg. And the Borg don't even bring it up. Like, hey, listen, you still... It's like the Vidians wanting Klingon DNA to cure the phage. Like, 
there should be like a huge target on their back that nobody seems interested in pursuing. Again, it's a standalone, not standalone, but it, it's a movie. It's outside of things. But, you know, this this is all baggage Voyager has created for itself that Voyager doesn't recognize. I also think that you may be being too harsh on the show in general because the show has actually been quite good, particularly at this juncture of being invested in its own canon a bit sure. more. And if this episode is more of an aberration in that it seems to have ignored all of these things that they've been through. Like, I think we've been more complimentary of the show in season five. Absolutely. Of like, yeah. oh, look, you're actually giving a fuck about what's happened in the past. How about that? Right. Like, yeah, this is the exception to the rule. And it just comes back to the the whole premise of it being the sweeps stunt, you know, TV movie that they did to try and suck people in. And I get by it. Literally, by literally taking the movie everyone watched last year and saying, hey, do you remember that movie with that villain? It's not played by the same actress. It's Here's the out. straight to VHS sequel. <laughs> exactly. Well, that was big in the 90s, bro. I mean, legit. The straight to straight to tape sequel of the popular thing was very popular in the late 90s. I Who didn't see the Aladdin sequel that had what? Um, uh, castellinus instead of uh robin williams doing the genie and shit like that like the well, well we can't get our actual actors so let's get the dude from the simpsons for speaking some of obscure facts i want to go back to our briefing room so tom paris in addition i'm sorry i have to jump back to gravity here and my accusations for tom paris being a fucking mary sue <laughs> in addition to tom paris being the best pilot, a good doctor, a great hollow designer, a mechanic who's, a, you know, all over 20th century combustion technology, an expert prisoner, survivalist, ladies man, a tech who's good from vacuum tubes. To bl- you get the point. He's also a really great historian who can just pull all these fucking facts about Fort Knox out of his ass, like magically prompted by G- <laughs> like, what the fuck? But. The reason it's I bring like, this up. And she's like, she knew. She's like, yeah. I know who will know everything about Fort Knox. Tom Paris. <laughs> yeah. Let me just Tom, kick it to him. I know in addition to working on big block Chevys and uh, being in love with water planets, which we also left on there. He's like a hydro oh, yeah, scientist fetishist. <laughs> I also know you're a little too into Fort Knox. You want to talk about that? And he's like, Oh God, I do. Here's the line I want to get to. This is, this is why I bring this back up. And, um, Picard showrunners, if you're listening, <laughs> which you are not clearly <laughs> money went the way of the dinosaur. When the new world economy was formed, like there you have it, folks. Money doesn't fucking exist. I do like to throw a line that, uh, Ferengi tried to, get in there and steal gold just for shits and giggles. But uh, <laughs> you heard it right from Tom Paris's mouth. And he's the Berman era, you know, foremost authority on on Fort Knox. If anybody knows about the demise of old world economy, it's this guy. So they they do the rest of the briefing scene, uh, as you mentioned, no word of protest from anybody, including seven of nine. Um, the, the next scene is seven getting called into the ready, ready room because Janeway's got a special assignment for her. And that is 
it's time for you to actually look at the stuff that we recovered last, you know, last season regarding your parents. So apparently they've been sitting on the logs from the from the USS Raven since they did the Raven episode. They haven't made seven of nine read them, but they're now like, well, you know, your parents were super duper into the Borg and apparently like wrote a lot of potentially hyper valuable information about their observations therein. So, you know, despite the fact this is like our third or fourth time sort of encountering them since then, uh, we haven't really uh, we've really uh, checked them out, which I find to be fucking ridiculous. Yes, of course it is. Like all are the you problems that seven of nine has presented in in all of her forms like the fact that nobody has ever read the stuff a seven of nine is always a problem b the borg have frequently been a problem like whatever and then yeah to saddle her and be like hey listen i want you to relive some really painful shit about your parents also to the fact you were all assimilated at the same time like you should already know this stuff but for whatever reason you don't have access blah 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 whatever like Here's your foremost authority on Borg because she is a Borg. Like, yeah, you're not going to have her working on tactics or like engineering sweet technology. You're going to make her sit there and go through a painful trip down memory lane. So let's talk about um, let's talk about this. And I got to pull the wiki up here so I can give you the date code on it. Because I sat there and I tried to hash it out as to when. As far as like when the flashbacks happen. So these flashbacks are set in. 2356. 2356. And to quantify that, Q who uh, was 2365. So about 10 years, about a decade before Picard encounters the the Borg courtesy of Q bamfing him over there. We are led to believe that the Hansen family, which is Magnus Hansen. I think Aaron Hansen and then their poor daughter. They have a Federation starship called the USS Raven, which I guess you don't have to be Starfleet to have a USS prefix. I guess I, I guess I, I didn't know that was a thing, but sure. It just makes it easy to state that it's a Federation starship that way. That they have clearance to go out and begin pursuing so, you know, you've got major timeline inconsistencies here, and it wouldn't be a big deal if it wasn't for the fact that we had behind closed doors meeting with Commander Shelby, the anti-Borg task force, and all this other stuff that'll ramp up around the time of Wolf 359, right? So you're you're retconning this ridiculous notion that two nobody scientists and their kid go beyond the neutral zone and whatever, and there are reports of a Borg, and it's a it's a rumor that there's a big cube. And they've got some pretty specific details, but this thing's out there flying around and they're going to chase it. We'll later come to find out that it goes to dip out. It opens a trans warp pathway. They follow it and that's how they end up in the Delta Quadrant, which is really the only reasonable way to get people in a little rinky dink bullshit ship out into the Delta Quadrant. But that la- the last part makes sense as to why they wound up out there. But the whole concept is it it breaks some of the fundamentals of of Trek canon, right? Like the whole point is that before Q introduced Picard and Enterprise to the Borg, the Borg were largely 
on they were just there wasn't a rumor of them floating around the only thing that exists of the borg prior to that moment is literally the debris from the sphere that the enterprise blew up on first contact day in first contact so like that exists and there's actually an episode of enterprise about 22nd century earth finding that debris and not knowing what the fuck it is and, and like stuff happens in the episode and they're like what the fuck was that and we're like oh i don't know let's move on with our lives and no one ever really sees what happens or like what actually it's a good it's a neat episode that manages to like resolve that plot line without actually breaking the canon yeah. right this is breaks it right this this just is like yeah people know the borg are out there and some some scientists have a ship and they decide that they're gonna go fucking find them like what where did this come from this is the flagship of the federation with a computer that is probably bigger than rhode island uh, what's a crew compliment on the enterprise d a thousand over a thousand over a thousand yeah mostly scientists and uh disciplinary experts and data who knows everything in every fucking database. So the fact that nobody has any fucking clue about the Borg, like it, it's, it's just stupid. It's fucking stupid. It's stupid that these nobodies found out about it, that there was a cube just zipping around that they track it down, whatever. So let's erase the fact that it's a stupid premise, accept it and move on. They're pretty cool scenes uh, from a nostalgia angle. I really like how the Pegasus interior feels like that season one motif. You mean uh, the Raven? I'm sorry, the, the Raven. It, it it almost looks like they're on the battle bridge, like it's that ugly ass burgundy brown color scheme. The space clothes the civilians are wearing looks very first um, first season next gen. I think they show some uh some pictures i think that guy might have been at starfleet at some point because they've got the old style no collar first season next gen uniforms and pictures it's got that real synthy twangy borg music that we had from uh season two next gen so like as far as dating this it feels good and it feels like they really did their homework to make this feel Dated. It feels like the camera had a filter on it to make it look like it was more in that era. It may be the only production. I agree with what you're saying. The production touches on the flashbacks actually date it correctly. And it's weird that that detail is right while everything else is fucking wrong. <laughs> like, yeah. Wow. OK. So the Hansons, uh, the, worst, the worst parents ever, <laughs> the worst parents ever. I, I, I mean, I don't have kids. You have kids. So you can tell me, right? Like you can inform me. Uh, is it considered appropriate to bring your small children along on deep space missions where you're going to uh, Jane Goodall, some Borg, a unknown race of cybernetic zombies that may turn on you and murder you all in an instant? Pretty sure that's a, I'm pretty sure that's a no. Let's assume that it's to go out and catalog Nebula. Or to go out and 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 see what it's like to bake cookies and deep. It doesn't matter what your task is. Taking your fucking kid like out that far, it's just bad parenting. Like I don't know who else has all died in this family that they felt the need to bring their child along for deep space exploration. But like, this is what happens when you don't have Counselor Troy laying around to like call out the obvious stuff. Like. 
hey guys, maybe this is going to leave her a little developmentally fucked up. Maybe you should leave her with your your aunt or whoever she actually has back at home. Space is dangerous. Okay, space is a fucking uh, a danger zone waiting to happen. It is a fucking disaster every moment, every two weeks, as we've seen, right? Every Mm -hmm. two weeks. Why in the hell would you bring a child into that when it's just the three of you? Like, it's already kind of irresponsible to bring your children onto the flagship of the Federation, probably the most safe starship that there is in the entirety of core federation of space, right? Mm-hmm. Like even that is like, hmm, I don't know, man, maybe, maybe we'll take them to boarding school on a planet somewhere. Like this seems like this might be a little much like you, you are in space. You bad things will happen. This is, this is a Ford conversion van in, in, in the middle of deep space where you are trying to go places. You're not supposed to go right. Including across the neutral zone. Right doing doing dirty shit you shouldn't be doing before you run into the thing you're trying to find which wants to kill you like no stop it get some help so they don't waste any time in showing that the parents are obsessed with this this Borg groomer and that they're very clearly making some bad parenting choices, that they're neglecting their daughter. The father is way too consumed in his work. And these scenes with uh, the with the, the Hansons will take place uh, sprinkled throughout the episode, but we can just discuss them all up front here. Um, they find the Borg cube. They are buzzing around. It reinforces that the Borg will ignore you until you present yourself as a technology advancement point or a tactical threat. So they find out how to kind of edge, you know, how to ride the line uh, and observe at first from afar. And later on, we find them beaming onto the ship. They make these little uh, biometric cloaking devices. They're abducting Borg. They're tagging them. You really do get that feeling, you know, I post that thing on the support group, but they were based on some primate uh, biologists. Yeah, yeah. Jane Goodalling it, you know, they're they're observing their monkeys and their their habitat. I get it. And and again, to, to frame this as far as how dangerous things are, uh, the Enterprise C was destroyed in 2344. This is 2356. So it's about 10 years after things have kind of chilled out with the Klingon uh, conflict, right? Right. And Romulan. So, like, it's this, this is a silly time. These guys are crazy. Um, but they got these rumors about the Borg. They're really into it. They got nicknames for them, like Needle Fingers and Junior. <laughs> like they're naming the, the gorillas. Yeah, I get it. So all that stuff kind of works for me. Like, if their kid hadn't been dragged along on this and this was just two obsessed scientists or a crew of scientists, I think it would have come off as better. Maybe that's what this is missing. Maybe instead of it being a mommy and a daddy and their poor little baby, and this had been like a cluster of scientists and she was a kid, I think that would have really helped me resolve the craziness of that. The whole community was caught up in a fervor and that, Nobody seemed to be fucking concerned at all when they get transported to the Delta Quadrant. Like, 
What happens when you end up in the Delta Quadrant by accident? Well, we got firsthand knowledge. We saw Voyager. Like, people are sad. People are fucking pissed. People are scared. They're never going to seem home again. You've just damned your kid to this. But, you know, they've got their head up their ass like, wow, cool. Now we're in Borg territory. We can further this research even better. Forget the fact nobody will ever see your fucking research because you're out in the middle of nowhere. Like, yeah, there isn't even like a line of them being like, oh, you know, we've we figured out that we could like hitch a ride with another one, you know, or we figured out how to get into the trans warp relays and we can just piggyback on any Borg. Like there wasn't even a dis- a discussion of them s- just putting out a line to say, oh, we have a way back home because it's such an obvious miss of like, oh, you're stuck on the other side of the fucking galaxy. What the fuck are you going to do now? Like, literally, that's the show we're watching. Jesus, fuck. Only you don't have Kess spot in your 10 years when she goes Super Saiyan. Um, you have uh, growing risky behavior that the dad's showing. We'll see some throwaway lines that, you know, one day the transporter fails and he has to spend the night in a Borg maturation chamber. And it's exciting. They enjoy the thrill of this. They clearly don't see the danger that's involved. Um, there's another parallel that doesn't really get drawn strong enough at first. I thought there was going to be objections from seven of nine that like, Hey, listen, maybe the Federation shouldn't be mugging people. Cause that's not what Starfleet does. According to you guys. Um, also, Hey, my family was real cocky and thought they could get away with stealing, you know, with, with jerking the Borg around. Like, let's not repeat that mistake. Maybe we should stay the fuck away from this. And that gets brought up a little bit, but it's like, there's this underlying theme of this episode that, again, nobody learns a lesson. There's finally an incident in the 2356-ish timeline where one of these little biometric cloaking devices fucks up while the guy's over on the ship. Uh, the jig is up. The Borg have now become aware of him. And we pick back up on the family speeding along, trying to outrun a cube, which is fucking ridiculous because the cube overruns galaxy class flagships. And I think this is where we really start. One of the stronger points for the episode for me is becomes the. The heavy emotion on that ship where the parents know they're fucked and it starts to dawn on them that terrible mistake they've made because it's not going to be the two of them that are getting that are paying for this it's their child they've dragged along and there's i thought a pretty touching scene where uh the dad's trying to get seven of you know annika hansen to to fall back asleep and she's asking if assimilation is going to hurt and if they have uh you know if there's little kid drones i don't know that that resonated very strongly with me to see that the parents grave mistake finally boiling down and that it wasn't just like a big accident and incident and everybody gets assimilated that there's a chase in that they, dread in the air. They have to, they have time to contemplate their horror, horrific decisions. Yes. That it was nice to, to kind of see that some level of comeuppance for their complete uh, recklessness. Hubris. Yeah. Yeah. Their hubris. That's a better word. Um, the, and that's going to be, that's the end of all the flashbacks, right? Cause essentially the, uh, the next time the next flashback was what we already saw in Raven, which is they get caught and they get. Assimilated. Do they actually? Oh, yeah, I guess I did show that because I was like, I'm yeah. really surprised they didn't actually show the assimilation 
of it. And because we've already seen it. They were because Raven fucking sucked too, and I quickly forgot <laughs> about that. So the the rest of the episode has to do with Seven of Nine, you know, working this problem of them doing the train robbery and ultimately getting contacted by not Alice Krieg. It's uh, actress Susanna Thompson playing the and queen. And she was fine. Episode. Yeah, she apparently tried out for the role uh, before Alice Krieg got it. And it wasn't clear at all why Alice Krieg wasn't available to play the queen. She here. saw the CG and I ain't fucking with that. <laughs> I know, like, the check wasn't good enough, I guess. The board queen starts to contact Seven of Nine and say, hey, uh, we know exactly what you and your boys are up to. And we're going to I'm going to cut you a deal. If you rejoin the collective, I'll totally let him go. And if I have something positive to say about this episode, it is in the seven of nine character development arena. We have seen a lot of seven of nine kind of just not giving a fuck, not really caring too much about like humanity or the crew. Not committing, not committing. Yeah. And it's been a slow process of her caring more and more about him and actually showing that she cares and not being a total bitch all the time. And this is a big turning point for her where she gets that message and she comes to the conclusion like, okay, well I'm gonna have to take one for the team here because it's important to me that everybody gets home and is protected. And if the queen knows what we're up to, um, we're fucked. So I'll go ahead and go along with this plan of we'll get the transwarp coil off the ship and Voyager can use that and get the fuck home. And then I'll just be a Borg again. And, you know, good will have been done because I'll have protected my people like that. Mo- what what could an option be? Maybe she could have fucking told Janeway about it. <laughs> like, hey, the queen knows what we're doing. <laughs> When is a surprise trap not a surprise trap? When you tell your fucking boss, like, hey, by the way, I'm getting, like, fucking hacked and uh, the jig is up, so let's not fuck with this. Because I already clearly has reservations. She, like, she does this bullshit coy, like, you need me on the away team. It's going to be really tough. You can't survive without me. And Janeway's like, what are you not telling me? I guess it doesn't ruin it, it, but it, it sullies a really cool development moment of seven of nine now genuinely cares about Voyager. She has this great speech about how it's her collective now, but what it's missing is the board queen saying, if you tell anybody, anybody, I'm just going to fucking hit you with the death star and, and blow you up. Yeah. There isn't, there isn't a reason for her to be silent and it could have easily have been one. And they just didn't supply one in the story. You're going to play the game and you're going to come to the the inflection point where you have to make a choice to join us or your friends are going to die. And if you ruin my game, everybody's going to die. Why they didn't do that is beyond me, but whatever Um, they are running these simulations on the holodeck over and over again about what's the best way to steal these trans warp coils. <clears throat> it's still, it's, it's funny. Cause they're like, Oh damn. You know, we, we missed the beam up by six seconds. We can't, we can't nail the simulation. Like what can we do to shave some time off of these? And it's like, I don't know. How about you fucking run? <laughs> Instead of walking somewhat quickly. Yeah. I, you know, the, the doctor's not the only person sporting, uh, 29th century hyper technology. Let me lay this one on you. It's called jogging. 
Okay. <laughs> it's called a brisk walk down that fucking hallway to get away from these fucking goony ass. Like, and that's the other thing too. Like if the Borg ignore you until you're a threat, st- like Federation standard protocol, of like walking down the hallways, aiming guns at everybody's faces seems kind of counter to that, but whatever. It's a stat. They did it in next gen. I suppose they can get away with doing it here. Yeah. So they, they get ready to do the heist. They do the simulation first and then they come up with uh, the technology from the Hanson's files to like, cloak themselves and uh they don't consider what i felt was like the most obvious thing that they should have considered which is well if the hansons all got uh you know assimilated that means the borg know about this which means they probably is probably won't work anymore which would have been the very first thing i would have thought of if i existed in the 24th century and had to deal with a bunch of you know nazi cyborgs that assimilate technology literally that's their entire fucking thing and also Uh, doesn't occur to the doesn't occur to Captain Janeway or Commander Tuvok or any of them. Or goddamn um, seven of nine, who has every <laughs> other stupid detail that the Borg knows, but she doesn't have that one about her dad's fucking doodad, right? She knows how to make a prototype matter reactor for the fried chicken people way back <laughs> in the uh bad day at work episode. But she doesn't know, like, oh, yeah, my dad got assimilated. So all this stuff is basically fucking useless. And you know what? I already know the Borg Queen is setting a trap for me. Why would you? <sighs> yeah, that, that that sound you just made is how I feel about it, too, my friend. Yeah. Um, I also do want to say that uh, during the flashback Hanson scenes, it was cool to see him uh, work the old next generation transporter effect in there. Uh and I, I commented back on Timeless that I'd never really noticed that Voyager did have a distinctive transporter effect, but seeing the old TNG one transposed in there, uh, it felt good. I liked seeing it. it was neat. I agree. Like, again, it seems the best, the best was like content of the episode was the production details of the flashback scenes, mm-hmm. not the content plot wise. But just the way they made it look like it actually was occurring in that that lost era between, you know, uh, the the original series and TNG. So they pull off the heist and then the board queen's like, yeah, listen, now's your time to choose. Do I blow these fools up or are you going to come home? And seven and nine's like, yeah, I'm going to stay. And Janeway's seven what are you doing and then the force field goes up and some borg drones go to get her at no point does seven do the reasonable thing and say the borg queen says she's gonna kill all of you if i don't stay she's just like no go i'm gonna withhold more information because that's my thing this episode and janeway keeping in mind uh it was just what last week that seven and nine rampaged and shot everybody up again for good reasons this time for the only time but it's like yet another defection and no this pot this can't possibly be her like something must be wrong she she unrolls her jump to conclusion matt and instantly jumps to she's being held against her will even though this is kind of really within the realm of possibility um chakotay even says like she did say flat out when we first abducted her that you know, she will betray us, but they got the warp coil. They got everything they want. 
the sh- the cube flies off with uh with seven back to Borg space town, and then Janeway's like, "Well, we got what we came for, but damn it, if I'm not gonna risk every fucking person's life on this ship to go after one suicidal ex Borg drone, then my name isn't Catherine Janeway, Trap Queen of the Delta Quadrant." I'm not going to be as harsh because that decision was made after they came to evidence that the Borg Queen had been in contact with her. Now, I do feel like the jump to conclusions, Matt, got rolled out really quick of like, well, clearly the Queen, you know, coerced her into it. Like it could have been. I think an even uh, I think a much better way to have handled it would have been they're like trying to figure out why and they come across a, a log entry that seven of nine specifically like left there to play several days later, like yes. after they've escaped yeah. to say, hey, uh, you got this message because uh, I probably all of a sudden for some reason decided to go back to the to the Borg. Well, you should probably know the reason why uh, it's because the queen was going to fuck you all up if you didn't. And I decided, you know, my life in exchange for getting you all this, this transwarp conduit and getting you closer to home was worth it. Don't come That's back for me. Push to you. Goodbye. Yeah. Like, like everything that you've done for me mattered a lot. And I, it's mattered so much that I'm going to do this. And in then the ab- Janeway's like, fuck that. I'm going back for my girl. Then. And that's like, Okay, like that all makes sense. Instead, it's just Janeway being like, clearly, this is what happened. Let's go get her. In the absence of something like a critical piece of story like that, you're instead left with this, this Seska situation where like, oh, God, we just found out that, you know, this person was a double agent the whole time and has betrayed us to return to their evil people. Like, you didn't give a shit when Seska ran off. Like the the care and understanding you've shown for someone who has been involved as the sole proprietor of no less than seven active shooting events. <laughs> She's a fucking HR problem. Yeah. I'd like to be in the HR room like, yeah, seven to nine shot me in another killing or not killing, but another, you know, active shooter rampage. So Janeway, I don't even remember how the fuck they Oh, they they get on the Delta Flyer, yeah, and with they, some they, MacGuffins, and they they fly off to Space Town to find them. They they basically rejigger the uh, technology that the Hansons had to cloak them, and they go to Borg Town, <laughs> like the Unimatrix Complex, Borg Town. Borg they go to Borg Town, and uh, they are like, "Wow, it's Borg Town. We got to find, we got to find." Uh, oh fucking it's naomi wildman it was like you could contact her via a cortical no- node and so that's what they end up doing in the goofiest and stupidest conclusion to an episode of star trek that considering the stakes and the people involved oh i'm sorry there's a whole subplot that we already touched on where the queen is like yes you will now be a borg again yay you but we're not going to make you put all that makeup on you can stay in your sexy cat suit and be my pet project yeah borg town man so yeah, many they, laser pointers <laughs> go to borg town and she's like we're gonna go assimilate some people why don't you go ahead and assimilate them because you're a borg now yes and then seven of nine that seven of nine is horrified by everything and and like helps people escape and which is good ba- 
Yeah, and and all of that is good. Like that's the good character development part of like her actually caring, you know, about just random people of like, no, this is bad. I'm gonna actively resist this now. It is a change, and that part is cool. So Soren, if you're listening, I know you're always looking to see us talk one at least one good thing about the episodes. We there it is. I did it. I don't want to hear you complain on the support group. We got to give the, keep the support group open for Chris to continue to find these horrific memes of, of Neelix, uh, seeming seductive, uh, and causing Peter's eyes to fall out. Uh, but yeah, they're super gross, but good job, but also terrible. Um, so there it is. There's your one good thing. needs to be the last fucking time. Seven of nine in Voyager at least needs to try to front like she likes being a Borg. Okay. It's been this baggage she's been carrying since season four of I'm begrudgingly interacting with humans. Borg Borg efficiency is better. I might not be a part of the Borg, but I'm still going to classify them as a higher life form and idolize the Borg. She is now directly confronted where where people are there to call her bluff. And the queen's like, this is you. This is what you should be about. We're going to fuck it. And we're going to go ape shit on this planet with our Borg invasion fleet, because I'm not like that other stupid queen going after Earth with one fucking cube. I brought the whole gang. <laughs> you know, I, I I got all my war boys, you know, we're rolling out of uh Shiny Borg. and Chrome, we doing this. We're rolling out of Borg Town on souped-up Cadillac hearses. Uh, and I'm now going to directly confront you and say, you know, this is what you're always saying is so cool. Ride or die. And finally, Seven's forced to say, I do- no, I, you know what? You, you got me. This shit's not cool after all. I do want to be a human. I do have problems with uh, Borg assimilation. I don't feel good about any of this. I don't want to be here. And then, you know, the Borg Queen's doing stupid evil overlord stuff. Yeah, it is. It's straight up the the evil overlord tropes. You've mentioned it on the show before of like, it's so lazy and it's so dumb. And this is some this. The last time we saw the Queen, she was a cool villain. And in this, she's just stupid as hell. Like, there is no reason for her to think like this weird snidely whiplash approach is going to work with seven of nine it isn't like with with data it appeared to be working and therefore it made sense right it is just not working where she's like no i don't want to help you you'll help us all right i'm not i'm going to actively try and help people escape well it looks like you helped those people escape please don't kill them okay i won't kill them why i'm not going to explain why because you said please all right. Well, now that uh, I've done this, why don't you come over here? Here's my secret plan of how I'm going to assimilate Earth. Now, aren't you going to help me? Uh, no, no. Why? What, what have I done to suggest that now I would want to help you? I defied you and then you let me defy you. Like, it's, it's one of the stupid. worst. <laughs> it's one of the worst evil monologues that I've seen since General Zod in Man of Steel. I will find him. When when. <laughs> When General Zod confronts uh, Clark Kent, he's like, listen, uh, we've got the DNA tubes to recreate um, all the life and everything that we've lost back on Krypton. And you're the key. And he could have been like, listen, man, uh, help me be the, the last son of Krypton. Help us 
reestablish our uh, our fallen culture that was unfairly taken from us by unknown forces. Be a hero and and do a solid. And you know what? Um, as it turns out, as I can see by you, if our people grow up slowly on this planet, they become supermen. And instead of, uh, you know, if I force resurrect people, then we're all crippled. We have to wear these goofy suits. Instead, Zod, instead of being reasonable like that, he's like, hey, here's a hallucination. We're standing on a ton of skulls in some sort of Terminator <laughs> fucking genocide situation on your family's farm. You're going to help us kill everybody on Earth, including your family, because I'm a fucking two dimensional dickhead. <laughs> who are you gonna fucking win with that sales pitch dude like never go into the sales the cell phone business you're not gonna you're not gonna sell anything right you're never gonna sh- sell those insurance plans for best buy talking like that and that's the same shit she hits her with here like there's a right way and there's a wrong way i really like in the previous episodes they describe the borg you know they're not evil they're not vindictive the borg are just a force of nature it's in their nature to assimilate and they're not doing it to be spiteful and mean. And that's one of the major things we called attention to in um, Scorpion, right? That 8472 in that iteration of them, which is abandoned later on. But they are zealot, religious, racial supremists who are hell bent on destroying all life in uh, regular meatbag space. And they're invading from fluidic space. Meanwhile, the Borg are just, you know, they're not vindictive, right? Mm -hmm. But here we get this presentation of the Borg queen, and she's just a fucking sadist. And she enjoys tormenting Seven of Nine, and and stupidly so, because whatever cooperation she could have gotten, she fucks over. There's no no plan. It's just evil for the sake of evil. Yeah. I'm evil and I'm incompetent, and it's the worst. And yeah, and then Janeway literally just beams in with a with a compression rifle and is like jailbreak. I'm going to get seven of nine now. And the Borg's like the Borg Queen's like, why don't I just assimilate you? Borg slowly move towards her. And then she's like, no, I'll just have all the Delta Flyers shoot a torpedo at you because that we can just do that now. Like one of my shuttlecraft is cool enough to just fuck you up now. And she's I like, took some oh. tips from eight, four, seven, two. We can just one shot you motherfucker. <laughs> and the, the queen's like, uh, oh, even though I'm part of a gestalt of consciousness in this physical form, probably shouldn't matter. This gives me pause. And but whatever, I'll just prevent you from beaming out. So I'll, and then and then then seven's like, yeah, just shoot the glowy thing above her head and then we can leave. And she I... does. And that's the end. <laughs> like, We're also treated at a certain it. point where the queen decides to sadistically play another card against her punishment of seven to say, Oh, by the way, here's your dad. Who's a fucking Borg drone. And, you know, look at him and he's dead in this suit of uh, metal. You know, he finally got his wish. They don't do anything with it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. They show it. And then you get, get that one great face acting scene where Jerry Ryan is like, you know, channels her acting energy and looks completely horrified. That's just like, is that the little daddy, you know, like, Oh, Oh fuck. What a moment. What an emotional moment. And then nothing. That's let me it. tell you this. Let me, let me rewrite this scene for you. Cause that's what we like to do. 
okay, if you're already shitting all over board continuity and and you can do whatever you want now, which clearly we've seen through consecutive Voyager Borg episodes. Make this fucking matter. Make her. Make Janeway shoot the uh, shoot the ball that disrupts Borg communication, cut everybody off of the network in that room. Make the dad come to his senses for a brief moment and tell his daughter, I'm sorry. Have her fucking snatch his ass up in some sort of uh, Luke Skywalker, Darth Vader moment and beam him back to the ship. Like, if you're not going to try to get your emotional mileage out of bringing him out as a Borg after all this exposition and setup in the earlier flashback moments, then what's the fucking point? Like, not only does she not take any action past saying daddy, she doesn't even bring it up the rest of the episode. Like just what a stupid throwaway squandered opportunity. Yeah. It it just like, I think your line is the most appropriate. If you're not going to do anything else with it, be have it be a moment where Janeway like disrupts the technology and their communication and although the drones start to malfunction and, you know, Papa Hansen, because she's in the presence, like, like she, he knows that's, it's her daughter because of the information he has from the hive mind. And it's like, gets that moment of clarity. If you're like, Oh, I'm going to, I'm going to save you. Like, and you know, run Annika or something like that. And like interferes with the queen enough that they get away. Jumps in and front of the it. bullet. Yeah, he, just, he jumps in front of her force lightning. Just go full fucking Star Wars on this. You want to tell me a science yeah. fiction story about no, a kid do it. and their dad? <laughs> you won't get out of here. Blah blah blah. Force lightning, dad. You know I'm gonna protect you now where I failed you before. And you get that final closure that the Borg have cost her everything. That she has chosen humanity, and that you know her parents have made the sacrifice. Give it meaning. If you would have done that, I would have forgiven the rest of this fucking episode. And I would say, great, that's a, you know, that that's what I needed for that real moment of character development and a real seven to nine story. Instead, it's Janeway showing up yet again with the fucking compression rifle, pulling her pants down, slapping the thaw clown around in the face with her dick. Uh, you know, just like everybody else, she slapped in the face with her phaser dick before she smugly beams out after dropping some uh, some zingers on him like. I okay great so then they blow up that is this hive dead now like whatever yeah they get 20,000 light years closer to home which is a big fucking deal oh so then they fly off in a hyper in a trans warp tube one of the ship chases them they get to Voyager they pop out they decide to shoot the space hole with lasers to fix the problem <laughs> as we've established in the candy cord tragedy and uh, as recently as gravity is a totally legit way to fix a space dilemma. And then they're like, oh, shit, that ship's still coming. Brace for impact. We're going to get in a big fight. And the collapsed space butthole prolapses and shoots out a bunch of Borg diarrhea. <laughs> so we've also found out on top of knowing how to transport a photon torpedo onto a Borg ship and how to hold the Borg queen up at gunpoint, which isn't as impressive as holding the Q continuum up at gunpoint, but you know, it's a nice notch on your belt. The Federation now also has the ability to 
destroy uh, Borg Q, anything in a transwarp tunnel before it arrives. Yeah, that's a that's a pretty juicy haul for old uh, the the pirate ship Voyager. I wonder if they're going to share any of this miraculous technology or advanced knowledge with the rest of the Delta Quadrant, which is currently being plagued by the same Borg Janeway gave a hall pass to. Yeah, probably not because they zoomed, you know, 20 years away from all of them closer to to home base. So what a good finger for the fucking Borg Queen to have thrown at Janeway too. like, hey, why don't you get the fuck out of here? Like, we really appreciate you getting us out of that thing with uh, species eight, four, seven, two. Yeah, I'll tell you what is a solid. I'm going to let you leave here with your head intact. Now get the fuck out. I really appreciate you giving us our tourists people on a silver platter. They were actually they're all their brains were quite juicy. You know, so, I was looking you know. at her for a minute and I was like, God, is that one of the Arturis's, uh race? But then she later goes on to say that she was part of um, species one, two, five, which I can't find any information on. But yeah, man, so many laser pointers like what they skimped on. <laughs> it's like a Portland using riot, man. Jesus, the the Borg pajamas everybody had a laser pointer like that must have been a very dangerous set to work on a lot of eye injuries so yeah man this is this is the crucible through in which the uh, borg finally kind of this i'm sorry to tell you man it's there's going to be more shit like this with the borg from this point forward still not as bad as q in the gray treatment of no uh, the q. no not as bad as the q in the q in the gray like like degradation of the q but Things do not improve for the Borg from this point forward. But really, I mean, this is this cements them as like C tier villains. Okay, where you get to the point where he's easily defeated by the Delta Flyer, (laughs) one Delta Flyer and a rifle. And you have brought the collective to its knees like it's it took all of the ingenuity of the enterprise and picard personally to defeat the borg queen uh in the past to save first contact but you know over a long weekend janeway a compression rifle and a shuttle that they cobbled together in in their own shuttle bay can, can do the same job yeah, their their hobby shuttle they, they Again, i maintain that the power of the borg the scariness of the borg was that there was nothing special and it was just a, a hydra with many heads and you can never strike it down putting a face to the borg putting an agenda on the borg political intrigue giving these things these human characters for what should have just been unstoppable automatons has done nothing but a disservice and really run them into the ground <sighs> what are we watching next week Season 5, episode 16, The Disease. We see a very pretty 90s lady. Uh, And it doesn't look like it's a Voyager stateroom. Maybe it is. Voyager encounters a xenophobic nomad in space for 400 years with shipwide malfunctions. The crews offer to help lead to a serious consequence. I think I remember this one. I think this is a Harry Kim episode. I think it, it is. It sounds like some Mass Effect. Uh, what was Tally's? Oh, the uh, yeah, Tally, uh, the Quarians. Quarians. Yeah, this, this is this going to be the Quarian episode? Uh, whew, you know, I I have I've I, God, I do remember this one. I think I do. I just don't remember all of it. 
I really it's like got, the Corian story point that they had been in space for so long that their immune systems turned into shit because they did not have that. Yeah, that bacteria like exposure anymore. And that's why, like, uh, if you take the romance path with Tally, like eventually, like she gets used to your bacteria so she can have her mask off around you. Do they show that's, her face? I don't think no, they of course not. They never show her face because they modeled her. Oh, that's a funny story about Mass Effect when they they realized after the first game that they modeled all of the Koreans incorrectly. They modeled them such that their heads would be way too small for their bodies if they were actually inside those masks. Hmm. Because the masks were modeled about the size of a human head because it's obviously like, you know, they had this base modeling, uh, you know, uh, sort of... Uh, anatomy they used for everything uh but instead of it being a helmet in on a head it was just that was the size of the head and they didn't so want like, to just oh. put like two stock eyes and some pincers and make them like look real nasty and now they wanted them they wanted them to look you know like like everything in mass effect sexy alien time so the only time you saw a Corian with their helmet off was when it was that stupid fucking photo, like stock image that they converted yeah <laughs> uh it was dumb Good times, Mass Effect 3. Good times. All right, man. So disease coming up next. Uh, you don't seem to remember much about it. Uh, I think we've... What, what were we hitting here? Hour and a half? On this yeah. One, so plenty I'm of not surprised. Like, it doesn't surprise me that we... It, it wasn't... We, we talked a lot over the course of this hour and a half. And I wouldn't be surprised if this is one of the more listened to episodes of our podcast, believe it or not. Because of like how important this episode is to where people stand about Voyager as a whole. So let, let's just say for the record, like I appreciate everything that happened with seven of nine in this episode. And it's a real shame that the rest of what they did in this episode was so bad because the actual character growth of the seven of nine character in this episode is good, but it's surrounded by this, cockamamie scenario just nonsense from the characterizations of the other starfleet characters to the snidely whiplash um, version of the the borg queen to everything else about this episode so it's it's fail it's failed on that basis to genuinely want to do smash and grabs like it's gta (laughs) oh man don't go rob the ammunition i'll just shoot you there See you next week.